Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 416, join Big Al spitball on set it and forget it brokerage investments for 30-something investors, real estate as a substitute for bonds in a diversified portfolio, and options for taking a state pension with or without sick time pay. The fellows also discuss how to bridge the gap until collecting Social Security, strategies for claiming spousal Social Security benefits, and whether you need to sign up for Medicare if you'd rather keep the health care you already have. Get your money questions answered. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, then click Ask Joe and Big Al on air and send them in via voice message or email. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joey Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I got one from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, Chris. He goes, hey, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, Andy, Joe, and Big Al. I'm obsessed with your podcast and always look forward to a new episode every Tuesday so I can listen to it while running or sweating it out in the sauna. Wow. <laughs> I want to follow up on my original question. Thank you so much for answering it in reference to our capital gain situation. Oh, all right. That was in episode 374. Uh, I would imagine you guys don't remember that one. Do not remember that. Yeah. So anyway, he's much more educated on net investment income tax and how it's calculated uh, with your spitball analysis. We are very much enjoying traveling the countryside uh, since the sale of our primary residence back in June. In addition, I am most definitely not the most interesting man in the world as I'm too straight-laced and probably need to learn how to have more fun, but these markets have definitely enjoyed a few more whiskey neats lately. Mm. All right. I plan on dollar cost averaging our proceeds from the sale of our house into the brokerage account while we travel around the country, and I'm looking for simplicity. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the new ETF, AVGE, Avantis All Equity Markets versus VT. AVGE seems more expensive to own, but also has slight tilts towards smaller companies that may benefit, uh, may benefit someone who is still in accumulation phase of their retirement planning. Is this something that would benefit a 30-year-old to purchase and set it and forget it? Uh, Good luck on the golf course and hope you have a few cold ones for me. Thanks for always making my Tuesday's runs more enjoyable. Chris, all right. Sweating it out in the sun. That's right. Running his ass Or running. All right. Okay. So, uh, Avantis, um, all equity market. So, that's a fund of funds. Um, you know the Avantis? Yes, I do. That's the old um, BFAC. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah, we use Avantis funds here, full disclosure. We at, do. Uh, Pure Financial we Advisors. Do. And they've got some similar characteristics as Dimensional Fund Advisors. And, and as a company and as an approach, I kind of like a lot of what they do. So what it, what this all equity markets fund is, is basically, I don't know how many funds there is. I don't have a prospectus in front of me, but I'm guessing it's probably like five or six different funds inside yeah. one fund. So you have a fully globally diversified portfolio. It's probably anywhere from 60 to 80% equities, I'm guessing, but they have tilts, right? Just like if you want to tilt a portfolio towards small companies, value companies, you're going to get higher expected returns over the long term because they're more volatile. Um, and so if you want to set it and forget it, uh, that seems like a good choice to me. Uh, VT is just a total global stock market index fund um, or ETF through Vanguard. So that's a really good choice too. Either one is probably going to get you to where you want to go. Um, I would imagine over time, you're going to just see more volatility in the Vantage fund than you would in a global ETF because there's no tilts in that. 
Got it. You know, so, so the tilt, so you're, you're talking about smaller companies and value companies, which tend to be more volatile. They tend to have long, better rates return over the long term. And long, when I say long term, I mean long term, <laughs> right? Long, long, long term. But they're more volatile to get there. So, how do you construct like a global U.S. or I mean, a global U.S. a global fund, right? You, you're taking stocks across the globe into one index fund or ETF, and it's it, they'll, they'll probably market cap weight it, right? So, yeah. your larger type um, companies. Um, There'll be more shares of those. There more, would be more more value, more value or the, the 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 fund composition will have more uh, percentage of those types of companies. So you, you kind of maybe you come closer to mirroring the the indexes internationally and domestically. Correct. But if you look at the Advantage Fund, where there's fund to funds, you're probably going to have you know more exposure to small companies. If I take a global index fund, the 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 percentage of that fund for small companies is going to be very, very low. Right. Right. And so if you want a little bit more juice, um, you know, then I would go the Advantis route. This is not advice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's be clear on that. <laughs> this is not advice, um, but it's an interesting thought, right? Because they're both very similar. Yeah. If I look at, you know, a fund of funds that is a globally diversified portfolio, you think, okay, well, I have a globally diversified portfolio here. and then, Or I can just buy one fund that's globally diversified as well. Which one is better? I mean, they're both really, really good. Yeah. Right. It I, really yeah. depends on the preference of the overall investor. This Advantage fund is trying to, you know, put some ribbons in, in you know, I don't know sexy it up a little bit sure you know with the fund of funds um but yeah. either or i either, think i agree either or is fine so here's another question so chris sold his house he's got a pile of money he wants to invest he wants to dollar cost average good idea or would you just invest it? i would 100 invest 100 right off the bat right off the bat. and why is that because you're going to get a better return long term long term if you if you, if, it, if the money should be invested invest it yeah right because it's impossible to time the market right right so let's say he's going to put in one tenth of the money in you know for the next 10 months sure or one twelfth over the next 12 months or whatever his strategy is you know that's a way to ease into the overall markets but you've seen the studies yes yeah for sure i think that well and that's because the market goes up more than it goes down on average. In fact, it goes up about twice as often as it goes down. If you look at year in, year out, year in, year out. So what that tells you is that you have a better odds of the market going up by just putting all the money in. That's not to say you go 100% stocks. You you put it into whatever portfolio makes sense for you. And see, that's the key, right? It's not like you're going all in. It's like, well, what kind of portfolio do you need? Do you need 50% stocks, 50% bonds? Great, then do it. Put it in. And I 100% agree with you because the studies show you're better off. Now, the other the problem with that, though, is people's emotions. Right. Because the next day he puts the money in, the market's going to drop 10%. And then he's going, why did I why do that? Why did I just do that? Yeah, right. Exactly. I so, so you have to be able to be okay with that because it may go down for a month or two or five months or, or a, year. a year or two. Right. But on average, you're better staying invested with the portfolio that is appropriate for you rather than just inching in one little bit at a time. Yep. Yeah. I would set it and forget it, invest everything, and then just don't look at it, right? If this is for long term, you know, then, then go for it. You're he's 30 something. Yeah. Right? Particularly when you're in your 30s, right? Yeah. With, yeah. That's that's the strategy, Scott. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, Chris, Chris from uh, yeah. Scott Statham. So, got Don from Virginia. 
I am recently retired, sold a business in 2019, and another in 2022. I'm semi retired because I have a small real estate business that produces, on average, $100,000 a year net revenue after taxes in the form of 11 single family houses. We spend about $125,000 a year, $25,000 of which is health insurance and costs. Just venting. That is not my question. <laughs> Okay. okay. Didn't sound like a question. I had two questions, but I'm realizing now my second is dumb. Oh, and there's only one question here. First one. In addition to my rental properties, I have more money in real estate in form of QOZs. Oh, qualified, qualified opportunities. opportunities yeah. QOZs. He's, he's fancy. Yeah, right. Uh, a Vanguard REIT index in my IRAs, my personal house, and a little in a private REIT. Okay. Overall, my asset allocation is approximately 46% equities, 46% real estate, and 8% bonds. Uh, the equities are BRKB. Uh, what's that, Berkshire? Uh, some large cap individual stocks and broad market Vanguard ETFs. Obviously, I am low on bonds and high on real estate. But what would you all say about real estate? Is, is that an okay substitute for bonds? Reallocating would be a slow process. <laughs> Selling properties. Best dog in the world, 11-year-old, three-legged mutt, Tacoma. No alcohol in a long time, sadly. Okay, Don from Virginia, thanks for the question. So he's got a, a, a ton of real estate. Yep. And he's like, man, if I'm going to sell this real estate and reallocate it to bonds, that's going to take me forever yeah it's super expensive too with taxes he's probably. got 11 single family homes so he, he is yeah. loaded up on real estate yeah yeah um he spends one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year the real estate is giving him a hundred thousand dollars a year um i have no idea how much money he has in the other yeah, portion of his portfolio don't say that uh i guess it, so with what we know i would say well first of all i don't think real estate's a great substitute for bonds because with bonds you can sell and get cash the next day real estate you cannot it's very illiquid Ill, Ill, illiquid now you do get similar income maybe maybe you get a little bit better income on real estate depending upon where you're located in the country maybe but you know maybe the income is somewhat similar but the, the liquidity is not. So I, I don't really think it's a substitute for bonds. However, you know what? I don't really know what your other assets are. And with 11 single family homes, I'm hoping you've got a pretty good chunk of cash just for, for, maintenance, for, 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 maintenance. Well, for maintenance, for market crashes, for loss of tenants, for new roads, blah, blah, blah. I've lived all that and, and it can be tricky. Um, I think if you got plenty of cash for your, your rental properties and you're basically almost covering your expenses from the rentals, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but we don't really have enough information. I wouldn't sell real estate to get bonds. If you feel like you want a little bit more safety and, and have a little bit more fixed income in bonds, you could sell some of your equities maybe, but I don't know. I, I mean, based upon what little we know about you, it seems like you got it pretty dialed in. Yeah. I mean, he's covering his fixed. Yeah. That's the main thing. Right. right. 
And then do you have enough cushion? Do you have enough cash? Do you have enough reserves? Yeah. Just in case something happened and just see, as else said. See, here, here's what can happen. So we have another great recession. Properties go down in value. People are losing their jobs. They can't afford to pay the rent. So now you're get, not getting 100000 a year. Now you're getting 20000 or zero or negative 10000 what, whatever the number is. And now at the same time, your stocks are down. But now you got to pay your bills, right? So just be aware that's, the, that's the, what you have to think about here. All right. Great question, Don. How much money do you need in retirement and how does your retirement account balance stack up right now? What's your contribution rate? How much of your portfolio should be in cash? Are your assets properly allocated? Learn how to answer these questions and find out how to manage your assets at any age in the Portfolio Tracker Guide, available for free to download from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to get there. You can say thanks just by spreading the love and sharing the knowledge. Tell your friends and colleagues about YMYW and all the free financial resources. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click on Ask Joe and Al on the air. We'll answer all in any questions that you have, um, just like uh, Rich. Rich did. Good afternoon, Joe and Al. My name is Rich. I currently live in New York. However, we will be moving to North Carolina in the next year or so. My question is, my wife works for a school district, and she has an opportunity to get a pension at 55 years old for 21000 per year. Or at 62, it would be 30000 a year. Her pension does have a cost of living adjustment because it's a state pension. Now, if she takes it at 55, she will also get a payout of her sick time into her 403B of about $13,000. Or if she takes it at 62, there is no payout of the sick time. The school district won't let her keep the money and she would just get 30000 and they would start at that point. Now, um, I don't know what I should do. Should we take the 21000 we don't need it, and just totally invest it, or wait until 62 and get the 30000 I figure if we bank it, after tax, it might be about 100000 but we also have to take into the account the sick pay that's being put into the 403B, what that could grow to. So let's say everything is a hundred and a quarter. For 125000 can I regenerate the... a year, or am I just better off waiting? Your expertise are appreciated. In addition, we have a million dollars in pre-tax, you know, retirement, $25,000 in brokerage, $100,000 in Roth, and $80,000 in um, non-qualified annuities, and we make about $200,000 combined right now. Thank you. All right, Rich, thanks for the question. Hey, um, you've been calculating stuff. No, I was just let totally... me let me start. I I I you know, really the best answer here is more sophisticated financial planner software to figure <laughs> this out. However, here's here's what I did with my simple mind, uh which is I just said, okay, if you have $13,000 now and you put in 21,000 a year for 7 years, I, I first of all I did it without tax. So I'll, I'll qualify that right off the bat. And it came out to about 200,000 uh, that uh, Rich would have um, with tax, you know, probably, probably closer to what he thought, maybe 125, maybe 150, but pr- let's just to say 125. But if it was $200,000 he had, I would be likely to just go ahead and, and do that because 4% rule, 200,000, $8,000, you're in about the same place and you've got access to those funds anytime you want. 
However, I think as I think about this, when I think about income taxes, I think I would probably not do it because you're not going to end up with $200,000. You're going to end up with something quite a bit less. And then I would just have, uh, Rich, I'd have your wife, as she got closer to retirement, 62, just take more sick time, just take some more mental health days, use that time and have fun. So I, I probably, I probably would, I would probably wait is what I would do. So what he's asking is that it's like a social security question, right? Yeah. So you take it at 62, I get 21,000. If I wait until full retirement age, I get $30,000, which is a better deal. Yeah. And you can do break even, but then you got to figure taxes and it's right. And if you just look at simple math at, let's say they live until age 85, um, you take it at 62, um, roughly they're going to, and then you add another $13,000 on it. Yeah. You get about 640 grand. If you wait, um, and you die at age 85, you're going to get 690,000. Right. Right. And so, I mean, the Delta is not, not that, that huge. Yeah. That that's kind of the same conclusion. I just felt like if there was no such thing as income taxes, I probably would go ahead and take the money and start banking it and investing. But because of taxes, I think that changes my mind to just wait and get the $30,000 at age 62. Right. But if you take the money, it depends on all the assumptions that you want to make. Sure. Right. I, I just use 6%. Is what uh, but, I oh, but if you get 8%, you're going to be way off. I, you're I going to be, and if you get 4%, right. get 2%, it's going to go it. the other way. Correct. Right. So it all really depends on the assumptions that yeah, you know, no, Rich, right. Rich wants to make. So that's if he wants right. to be aggressive and he doesn't necessarily need the money and it says, you know what, I, I want a, a full stock portfolio and maybe I, I want to be in, in asset classes that are a little bit more volatile or risky to even boost the return even more over a, a certain time period. Right. Well, the numbers are probably going to work in his favor long term right because the if you look at the delta of return here it's probably three percent i don't know i would have to do yeah. the present value i of, i guess the the message and i'm sort of came to the same conclusion it's not that big a deal one way or another they're somewhat equivalent right we also can get into life expectancy are you guys healthy great if not if if you have impaired life expectancy maybe you go ahead and take the money and enjoy your life and go from there right but i i think what I would be looking at this as is just a guaranteed income stream. Yeah, me too. And I would push it out and get the 30, because it sounds like he doesn't necessarily need the cash. He, he doesn't. And this whole thing is predicated on him saving it. Well, so it's the same thought as social security, which we typically say, wait as long as you can, because it's a longevity play. Right. A lot of things can happen over time. You know, if you have a guaranteed $30,000 coming in, plus your social security, I mean, that's a pretty good floor. Right. And maybe you want to take on a little bit more risk in your other assets because you don't necessarily need to take that much draw. So um, you could look at you you could slice and dice as many different ways. You sure can. Depending on you know how in-depth that you want to get, you, you might be splitting hairs here. Well, and I think you said the key. The key is what assumptions are you using because that's gonna give you your answer. Right. How much money does he need to live off of on an annual basis? And when is he gonna fully retire? And what is his other fixed income sources? We and he has a, a really good sized nest egg. Here, that's right. That's right? right. It sounds like he's a, a good saver and uh, he's moving to North Carolina. Right. So he's getting out of the big city of New York. He's yeah. probably his life or his, his living expenses are probably going to go down. Gonna go down and probably more relaxed, live longer. You know, right. North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, come on. You're going <laughs> to live until at least 100. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. But, but that's what I would do. I would uh, I would wait till 62 and take the 30,000. That's what I would do yep. based upon what I know here. Yeah, I think I would do the same. 
I would do the same. All right, let's go. Hey, Joe, Big Al, and Andy, I've been listening to your podcast for several years now and very much appreciate the information you provide in a side of humor. I'm 61 and my wife is 60. Assuming we retire at age 65, we are projected to have approximately $2 million in retirement savings, $200,000 in a Roth, $1.8 million in pre-tax accounts, plus $300,000 in an after-tax brokerage account and two hundred dollars in cash. Okay, so he's got a couple million dollars plus 500000 outside of retirement accounts. Yeah, right. 2.5. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Okay, would like to delay collecting Social Security until 70 uh, to maximize my benefits, while my wife would like to collect hers at age 67. Uh, we expect to need about $120,000 to $140,000 per year. What would you, what would be some spitball strategies to determine where to pull the funds during the five years before I start Social Security? One idea is to pull 4% from my pre-retirement tax accounts and then the rest from the brokerage account in cash. Uh, the idea is to spend down some of the pre-tax savings before the RMDs kick in. Some of the brokerage cash withdrawals could be reduced once my wife starts receiving her Social Security benefit. At 70, I would expect my Social Security benefit to be about $54,000 a year. And my sixty-seven, and at 67, my wife's benefit would be around $18,000 a year. At that point, we wouldn't need to draw as much from our brokerage and cash accounts in them, um, as well as the Roth account. It could be earmarked for any significant medical or long-term care expenses that may arise later in life. Is this plan making sense? Thank you, and keep up the good work. Best. Jeff from uh, San Diego. Good question. So he's got a plan now. And I don't hate his plan, but I think I I think we probably have something maybe a little bit different that that could enhance this situation, maybe. I think so too. This looks good in terms of it probably working based upon the spending. Um, although now you got a stub period, right? It's like how do you pull money out to pay for the bills when between 65 and 70 when you're not when you're not taking your social security? And Jeff, your plan is fine, but there's a better one. So you got to take a look at the tax brackets. And so the top of the 12% bracket for this year in round numbers is $90,000, right? For a married couple. And you get a standard deduction of about 120, of 25,000, right? So in other words, you get that for nothing. So you can add the 90 and the 25, which means you can have $115,000 of income and stay in virtually the lowest tax bracket. So you want to maximize that. So one 15 should come out of the pre-tax retirement accounts. Some of that should be converted to a Roth conversion. Some of that maybe you live off of, you know, you kind of balance it out. If you want to go extreme, you live off your cash and your brokerage account hundred percent and you convert, right? $115,000 in a low tax bracket and end up with a lot more in a Roth. If you want to kind of mix and match, you can do that too, but make sure that you maximize that low bracket. Cause right now your current plan you're you're not maximizing the twelve percent bracket. You're wasting some of that. Spot on, right? Because at that twelve percent tax bracket, it's, it's probably going to go to fifteen. Yeah, right, right. And so, can you get money out of a, a pre-tax retirement account at ordinary income rates at the lowest rate that you might ever see in your life? Right. And so, you absolutely don't don't use the four percent rule. Use the tax bracket rule. Right. So look at the top of the 15 or the 12 percent tax bracket and it's 115. What I would do, you might convert the whole 115 one year. So you get 115,000 in one year. Right. And then you live off of cash in your brokerage accounts. And then the next four years, you might you know, mix, you mix know, and match. Yeah, yeah. Split it up a little bit, depending on what the need is. Maybe you go back to work 
part-time and, and make a couple of bucks. Um, so, but look at the tax brackets. Don't think about the 4% rule at all. The 4% rule is garbage. In my opinion, when you're looking at distributions, you don't want to use that. It's a good gauge of rule of thumb to determine how much capital or cash that you should have at retirement, right? But not taking 4% out of your portfolio every year. You don't want to do that because you could blow yourself up depending on what happens with the overall markets. So especially in his case, because he's got monies in the Roth account, he's got monies in a retirement account, he's got a brokerage account, he's got cash. So he's diversified somewhat from a tax perspective. That's right. But he's heavily overweighted in the retirement account. So if he's going to pause and not take Social Security until age 70, his wife has got a few years, so you got this stub period, you know, you can control your taxes way more in retirement than any other point in your life. And so this would be a huge opportunity for him to get money, bleed it out. I I like where his head's at. He's like, I want to bleed some of this money out in that low bracket, but go to the top of the bracket and then probably do some conversions. So great question. Love it. Thanks, Jeff. The next few questions are all about Social Security and Medicare. You want to arm yourself with the information you need to make the most of your benefits from these two critical retirement programs. So download the Social Security Handbook and the Medicare Checkup Guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Learn the basics, who qualifies, and the nuts and bolts of both Social Security and Medicare. Find out how to get all the Social Security benefits to which you are entitled strategies to choose the best Medicare coverage for your specific needs, and much more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to visit the show notes and download the Social Security Handbook and the Medicare Checkup Guide. You'll find them right before the episode transcript. Sharon writes in, Al, how do I find out when I get my spousal benefits? Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know. Talk to your spouse. (laughs) Well, I assume because you said spousal, your spouse is living. If your spouse is deceased, then it's survivor benefit, but maybe we could touch How on How do I both. find out when I get my spousal benefits? Well, what, why don't we talk about how do you get a spousal what, benefit? What, I mean, what, how do I find out? I don't know. How the hell do I know? She's she's asking us. We're the, we're the blank. This is somebody who doesn't realize that you actually have to apply. Yeah. Well, you have to apply. But it just appears. Yeah. <laughs> the spousal fairy shows up at your door. Well, let's 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 talk about the rule, Sharon. So so first of all, your spouse uh, under the under the current rules has to be collecting benefits for you to get any benefit. So, that, so that's number one. Okay, and the spousal benefit is going to be half of your spouse's benefit. Yeah, right. At at the and if they took it after full, full retirement, retirement age, it's actually going to be half of what it would have been at full retirement age plus inflation. So that's what it would be. How you get it. As you apply for it through the right? Social Security Administration, that's right. But you have to be careful because if you apply for it before your um, full retirement age, you're going to end up with a discounted Social Security benefit for Never. life. Yeah, so just be careful about that. So yeah, if you t- you could take a spousal benefit as early as 62, uh, if you take it at 62, it's going to be discounted. Right, forever. Forever. Yeah, you lock in that discount forever. Right. Uh, so. And if you wait until 70, it doesn't make any sense because you're only going to get 50% of the full retirement age benefit from the your, your spouse. Yeah. So take it at full retirement age, or if you do take it early, then take it early. Now, on the other hand, if she meant survivor benefits, which is what you get when your spouse passes away, you've got to apply for that too, right? And so you contact Social Security Administration. They'll ask for a copy of the death certificate. Right, and just follow their instructions, and and I just did this for my mom because my dad passed away last year, and it, it takes a while, 
but here's the good news is it, they do catch you up, right? We It was right. like six months late, but we got one big, big deposit yeah. for what we would have gotten. So anyway, that's, but yeah, contact your social security administration office and they'll get y'all figured out. So yeah, t- two things, just to recap, there's a spousal benefit, which is you're taking half of your spouse's benefit, but both of you are collecting a benefit. One spouse is alive. The other spouse didn't have enough earnings on their record to have anything worthwhile. So instead of taking money on their own record, they're, they're going to take half of their spouses. So the spousal benefit, again, you can take as early as 62, probably makes sense to, to, Push it out, depending on your overall situation. Who knows? Uh, but your spouse needs to be claiming that benefit for you to get the spousal. Yeah, and that survivor benefit is if your spouse passes, you actually get the higher of the two benefits right? because you lose a benefit because because you lose one of the benefits, right? The lower of the two. And then, of course, for our social security experts out there, there is deeming rules, and this is actually a little more complicated than what we just said, but it's that's the gist of it. All right, um, let's go to G from Philly. Hey, Joe, Al, Andy, love the show. Great mix of knowledge and entertainment. We drive a Nissan Moreno in a Subaru accent. Love them both. I'm a light beer drinker, i.e. Mick Ultra, Corona Premier, Coors Light. All right. Can relate to that. I can. Uh, My wife enjoys some Patron on the rocks every now and then. Every now and again or every now and then. Yep. Life is good. Yeah. Life is better with Patron. Uh, my wife will reach her full retirement age at 66 in six months in August 2023, but her benefit is minimal, about 600 bucks. I am planning to take my benefit starting January 2024 at 69 years and three months. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, not two months or four. Let's do it at three. It's pretty precise. Yeah. 69 years in three months. My full retirement age was 66. Okay. Okay, Ben. So based on other income from the sale of a business and tax implications, we have determined that this is my optimum Social Security benefit start date. Okay. Well, All calculated. Wow. He's tight. Mm-hmm. 66 and 69 and three months. Yeah. Okay. My thought is that she should take her benefit at her full retirement age in August and then switch to her spousal benefit when I start taking my benefit in January 2024. I have a few questions. Is my spouse able to file for her benefit and then switch to the spousal benefit as I have planned? Will the Social Security Administration automatically switch her to the spousal when I file my claim? Or must we request that she be switched to spousal? Thanks for supporting all of the do-it-yourselfers. Little DIY. Right. All right. So good question, G. Since you, you've got this dialed in to the penny, I would imagine that you probably done a calculation. Let's just say if you did claim it today, your wife would then be eligible for the spousal benefit, which would be half of your benefit, right? At your full retirement age, right. you're 69 years old, right? Or 68 years old, right. right? So you still have a larger benefit than you do at your full retirement age. Your wife is only going to get half of your benefit from your full retirement age, whatever that delta is, right? Because you're pushing it off. I don't know, maybe eight, nine months. So you get an 8% delayed retirement credit each year that you hold off taking your benefit from full retirement age. 
So because she's not claiming, right, her benefit's $600. So, yes, she can claim her own benefit on her record because she doesn't, she's not eligible for the spousal benefit because he hasn't claimed. So she can start hers and then switch to, to spousal. Correct. But what's the spousal benefit? If the spousal benefit is, let's say, $2,100, they're leaving maybe $1,500 on the table. Is that worth whatever he's whatever calculation he's running to yeah, make sure for, that he takes it at sixty nine years and, and three, three months. months? You're talking about today versus the future. Yeah, I I agree with that. But yeah, so but when you start claiming, she can claim half of your benefit at age at full retirement age plus uh, with inflation. Right. If her full retirement age is August, I believe maybe you claim yours at August, so she can get get the full benefit, right? Whatever the delta is, or don't. And then she could get her six hundred dollars. And then once you turn, once you pr- um, claim your benefit, it would switch to the spousal. It doesn't automatically happen. Um, I would probably talk to the Social Security Administration, set an appointment, maybe go into the office, make sure that it, you get it. Yeah, it's kind of like, does the IRS tell you your returns wrong and send you a refund? <laughs> no, it, you won't get Social Security doing that either. Yeah, you probably need to be a little bit proactive. Yes, but uh, gee, I would, I, I want to know a little bit more how you were that precise because <laughs> I've been giving people financial advice for over twenty years, and I don't think I've ever said, you know what, sixty nine and three, three months, months. down to the month, because because that's what the calculation. Because say. of tax benefits, usually the tax doesn't really come into play, right? Because you're, he's over full retirement age. I got to just talk this through here. <laughs> so you're over full retirement age. You're not going to receive a reduction in benefit if you have higher income, right? And I would imagine for someone that has it this precise and this dialed in, I'm guessing that 85% of his benefit is going to be taxed anyway. Yeah, probably. But I guess he's thinking, you know, he's selling a business. So maybe whatever that business year business falls in, he, maybe 69 and three months is the following year. Maybe. So that's January? Yeah. At 69 and three months? Yeah. And maybe it's maybe it's in a 12% bracket instead of something higher. Okay, well, no, I buy that. Instead of saying 69 and three months, why wouldn't you say I'm going to claim it in January? <laughs> the year after I sell my business, <laughs> which is around age 69. <laughs> it's around <laughs> 69. Then we can follow you. Uh, 69, three months and four days. Yeah. Jim from Santa Cruz calling again. Oh yeah. I've now been listening to your podcast for over five years, which means one of two things. I'm learning a lot or I'm a slow learner. Five years. That's dedicated. That's a lot. Uh, instead of my normal tax dodge questions, I've got a new topic to discuss. Yeah. Social security. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We're hot today. Yeah. My wife turned 65 in July of 2023. She began drawing Social Security benefits last summer. Okay, She's covered, dependent on our group health insurance offered by my employer. We prefer to continue using our existing insurance and do not wish to begin utilizing Medicare, and we do not want her Social Security debited each month for premiums. Under these circumstances, is she required to register for Medicare during the three months before or after her birthday? If so, how do we prevent deductions from our Social Security checks? Oh, yeah. I'm still listening to you while doing the stairs at Apatos Beach, right? Apatos? Aptos. Aptos. I think it's Aptos. Aptos Beach, which was totally destroyed in this month's storms. Wow. I'm still driving the old Honda CRV, except when I'm enjoying a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Thanks always for the great show. Jim from Santa Cruz. All right. Um, well, Al, this is right in your wheelhouse here, bro. <laughs> because of my age. 
Yeah, uh, Jim, the, the answer is you got to, you, yeah, you can. You, she does not have to take Medicare. I would go ahead and have her take Medicare Part A because there's no additional cost to you. But Part B is what you're talking about. And so just uh, contact the Medicare, um, contact Medicare probably two, three months before she turns 65 and say, you know what, I don't, I don't want it. So don't, don't turn it on. Because they will assume that she that she wants to, the Medicare Part B at age sixty five unless you tell them. So that's that's the step here. Just contact them, have her contact them, and say, "I don't I don't want the Part B. Go ahead with the Part A, but I don't want the Part B." Right, because she's already covered on another plan. That's right. And once you, and, and here's that I guess the caveat or the catch is is why Jim's asking the question is because she's already enrolled in Social Security. Yeah. And so once you're already enrolled in Social Security. It automatically enrolls you in Medicare. That's right. At age 65. At age 65. Unless you tell them otherwise. So if, if Jim didn't do anything, right, she would get her Social Security check, and then there would be Part B premiums coming out. Yeah. It was like, okay, now we're double double covered yeah. here. And which, which we don't need. Exactly. Can you yep. sign up for Part B later if you need to? Yeah. If you have, well, there's penalties, right? So if you don't sign up for Part B or Part C, Part D. Part D, yeah, yeah. the prescription drugs. Yeah. If you don't, then there's a penalty for each month and year that you delay right. if you don't qualify for the delay that you could. And she does because she's already covered through, you know, another healthcare yeah, provider. Yeah, she's, she's covered through her spouse's plan, which, although there's this weird rule, which is the plan has to be 20 people or more. Okay. So I don't know why they have that rule, to be honest. But anyway, so presuming that's the case, that uh, that she's uh, that Jim's got a you know uh, health insurance with twenty people on it, then yeah, she can wait until he retires and they don't have Social Security. Assuming he's talking about himself, he's isn't this the guy that's always talking in third person with Jack and Diane? Always talks about Jack and Diane. Yeah. Is this Jim? Jim says the Jack and Diane. That's right. Yes. Is, yeah, those I are right? his tax dog tax dog questions yeah. that he was mentioning yeah, yeah, earlier. That's, that's what I thought. Anyway, so that's yeah. So so she, she can do it as long as uh, she's on an employer plan of Jim, assuming it's his plan. Well, there's twenty or more employees and twenty or more employees. Yep, got it. Okay, cool. Thanks, Jim. Uh, long time no talk. And sorry about the beach got destroyed. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Show's called Your Money or What? Sitting in the sauna, voice to text, and baby YMYW in the derails, so stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for Your Money, Your Wealth in Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257. Schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our four offices in Southern California, as well as our offices in Chicago, Denver, or Seattle, or online at a time and date convenient for you, no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Sweating it out in the sauna. Wow. Sauna. He lives in Scottsdale. It's already warm. Just sweat it out outside. (laughs) 
the hell does he have a sauna for in but, Scottsdale? But you know what? It's kind of cold there in the winter. I mean, I, I thought for sure this guy would be from Minnesota. <laughs> have you ever seen a sauna? Have you ever been in a sauna like yes. at a person's house? Not in that someone's house, no. I've, multiple times. You in have? Minnesota. Oh, in sure. Minnesota. Common. Yeah, very common. It's just like we have no basements in San Diego. Who, <laughs> who needs a basement? Who needs a sauna? But anyway, okay, well, hopefully he's sitting in the sauna, just sweating it out, listening to him, listening to us talk about him in the sauna. Sure. I had two questions, but I'm realizing now my second is dumb. Oh, and there's only one question here, so I guess I got to... It's just like, do you think he's talking versus (laughs) typing? You know how people, like, instead of, like... Yeah. Voice to text? Yeah, voice to text, or now... Yeah, it could be. What's the whole thing when... Um, it's almost like a, a voice recording, but it's a text. You know what I'm like? Voice messaging. Yeah, yeah. You you can you can hit the microphone and you just talk, and then it goes in your text. Voice not text. even that. No. No. It's not even else? going to text. You have to you you, you listen to it. Oh well, it's like yeah. a voicemail, but it's like a, a, yeah, that's a voice text or something. I, right? I've tried that. I've never got it to work. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Before I would never text. Yeah. Right, I'd be like, "Are you that lazy? You can't pick up the phone and talk no. to me, right? And yeah. I, if I call you, you you're, you're not going to pick up the phone." Yeah, you were kind of a late adopter. I was a late adopter. Yeah, yeah. But today, you know, yeah, how many yeah. times I answer the phone, yeah. zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> same. And I got, I have an Apple Watch that tells me, uh, yeah, probably, uh, probably junk. So okay, that's easy. No, I'm not. Gonna or if I don't recognize the number, I'm not answering. You yeah, leave a message. I'll, I'll text all day long and then now people are leaving me messages these voice messages and then i have to pick up the phone and listen to that's it versus just reading way too hard it's just annoying but i listen to my voicemail through my computer do you leave yourself voicemails and listen to them? <laughs> no because our voicemail system that sends us an email oh. and so you can listen to your voicemail on the computer got it that way you can listen to it from anywhere including hawaii <laughs> <laughs> just saying got it all right five years that's dedicated that's a lot could you imagine? Well, of course, we've been. How long we've we been doing the show? Fifteen. Two thousand eight. No, it's before that. It was yeah. the, the retirement. More than fifteen. Yeah, more than fifteen. What was it called? The retirement readiness show or something stupid? Yeah, I forget. Yeah, it was something like it that. It wasn't your money, your wealth before. No, well, we had a. No, it was the baby before your money, your wealth. Yeah, it was. Um, I God, forget. God, I'll, what was I'll, it I'll have to think about that. Retirement ready. No. Are you ready for your retirement show? No. <laughs> <Wasn't that? laughs> oh, it was something kind of catchy. I remember. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah, seventeen. That was probably about seventeen years ago. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so he's just a baby. Yeah. As a, yeah. As a we've got some. <laughs> we got people some that hung on for a long time. <laughs> 